Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I close my eyes only for a moment and the moment's gone. All my dreams pass before my eyes. A curiosity. Dust in the wind. All they are is dust in the wind. This week I'm pod like a raven. I try to keep my composure. I try to guide my co-hosts through another heart-wrenching one-point loss that just might have taken the Ravens out of postseason contention and looking to the offseason. Welcome to Pod Like a Raven. I am Antonio Rivera. I apologize for, for the saddest intro I've ever done. Just had to, had to bring it out. Kansas, dust in the wind. Thank you for such somber poetry because that's the, that's the mood that I have and I think the mood that my, co, my co-host may have on this episode. As the Ravens fall yet again, this time at home, by one point in another situation where it seemed like we had been dragged back into a potential upset that would have helped the Ravens into the postseason, and instead they fall to 8 and 8, very likely out of the postseason. And we have a lot to, to digest here. Not a lot to go over, maybe, from this game, but a lot to digest. Let me bring in my. Two co-hosts now, starting on the East Coast, Tim Horsey, who is at the bank, because if there's anybody who doesn't deserve these losses while at the stadium, it's Tim Horsey. And Tim, yet another of the heartbreakers for you to have to digest in person. Um, I'm not going to ask how you are, but but uh, are you okay? Let's start with that. I am way better than you. Uh, I, I am I'm utterly confused, actually, by this intro because I told you guys this six weeks ago. The season's over. The season's been over for a long time. Um, I mean, we'll talk about it as we get into it. For about three and a half quarters, I just still figured the Ravens were going to lose, and I was there drinking copious amounts of Bud Lights and having the best time ever, just watching the Ravens in person, which is always nice. And I didn't let, let myself get too down. 
And then I let myself get two down. And, you know, you get sucked into the moment. The Ravens are in another close game. And, yeah, it ended terribly. But, honestly, I'm, I'm in a fine mood today, my friend. I, it sucks. And, you know, having to root for the Jaguars this upcoming weekend is something that, I, you know, I, I'm not going to be very excited about. But outside of that, man, yeah, I'm doing okay. Life's um, too short to be this upset about this loss. I'm ecstatic to hear it. Yeah, in, in last week's episode, I was more just assuming the loss and looking ahead to scenarios for the Ravens to clinch. But it's the manner of the loss that, for me, just makes it frustrating and, and painful. And then the scenarios, as they have unfolded now, it has certainly become harder for the for the Ravens to make the playoffs. On the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, are you falling somewhere in between the two of us here? Or uh, you're not quoting Kansas to open a podcast episode? Uh, yeah, I'd say I'm in between. I, I've said this before, Antonio. I am glad we take a day to sit and marinate on this, because I was certainly more down uh, Sunday afternoon um, after this game. Um, and similar to Tim, I, I, you know, this was this was a weird game, because for large stretches of this game, um, I had about as much fun watching the Ravens, I think, as I've had since probably the second half of the Vikings game. It's been a long time. I was enjoying what I was watching. It was fun. It was a, a quote-unquote throwback performance of, in some ways, uh, you could say, because of some of the things they were doing on defense. Uh, the bank was rocking. It was really fun. And then it all fell apart in the exact same ways we've seen uh, for now, five straight games, the longest losing streak of the John Harbaugh era, which is hard to imagine, five straight losses, another one-point loss, and it just left me feeling just worn out, <laughs> and um, I think worst of all, you know, I love the Ravens, as I said, I loved watching, uh, loved watching the game while it was happening, but I'm done with this particular team, I think, and I, I just left that game after just watching them lose in the same way I feel like we've watched, you know, well, for eight games now, basically. Um, just done with this team, and, and I think not really caring what happened with the playoffs, and as we've said, the scenarios have kind of unfolded where it kind of makes it highly unlikely they'll make it anyway. But I just left that game feeling kind of, I guess, apathetic about the whole thing. Like, I know what this team is now, you know, you do, you, you lose by one point three different times in a five week span. It kind of, it is what it is. This is what your team is. They come up short and, uh, I'm just tired of it. So that's a long winded way to say, I guess I, I'm not doing great about it, but I certainly feel better today. And, um, as we'll get into it, I think, uh, there's, you know, pros and cons obviously to every Ravens game. Yeah. The, Jace, you mentioned the third one point loss in the last uh, four or five weeks here, and it just ends up. It's a it's such a perfect microcosm for the season because it's a game of missed opportunities. I think in a season of missed opportunities, uh, the Ravens start off pretty well here. They, I mean, they have a seven point lead on a Matt Stafford gift. They have a, a nice long drive i'm gonna go through the missed opportunities of this game before, before we turn to uh to certain players or sides of the ball here because it's just so painful where if any of these situations are different they probably win this football game the first one is with a seven nothing lead uh tyler huntley on a third down is pressured and misses devin duvernay he throws a ball over his head a makeable throw i mean duvernay is open in the back of the end zone and he misses him and so instead of a touchdown and a 14-0 lead, you have a field goal, and it's a 10-0 lead. 
There's the two-minute drill in the first half that Jace, I think his blood pressure went up uh, when this happened, but you have a double-digit lead against a team that's better than you with a backup quarterback. Jace will argue, maybe just go into halftime and take your 10 nothing lead, but instead, the, the call is made that Huntley should throw a deep ball. It's not open. It's intercepted. The Rams return it, you know, 30 yards and get into scoring position and then score a touchdown before halftime in a situation where even a cat, you know, more conservative approach, they may still be able to tack on a field goal, but the deep throw leads to an interception and that swings points in a certain direction. And then there's a famous drive that's getting a lot of attention. Uh, this is in the fourth quarter. The Ravens have a first and goal, uh, from the five yard line. I think when they're up by two points and there, there's an opportunity to make this a two score game, obviously, and the first down gets a couple of yards. The second down is a disaster. Third and four, and you have a delay of game call. Uh, instead of calling a timeout, instead of being better with the play clock, it's been an issue that has happened again all season. And it bites them here and makes a third and goal from the four, a third and goal from the nine. They don't convert. They have to kick a field goal to make it 19-14 instead of the game essentially being over. There's a fourth and five that the Ravens can't stop on defense. Then on the field goal drive... Patrick McCarry just gets this nice little extension. He gets demolished uh, right off the right off the snap, and Huntley slips at the same time while trying to step up in the pocket, and he gets sacked, and that sort of ends the the last gasp, last hope there, trying to get a, a last second field goal. So all of these things happened in one game, where really probably if one of them goes differently, the Ravens may still escape with a win and a potential playoff berth, and that's the season it's been, guys. Uh, I, we should start, I suppose, with Tyler Huntley, uh, his performance in this game backing up, or starting, I should say, again. Jace texted the thread here, uh, in-game. Huntley's definitely proven he's a backup today. Uh, and I'll, I'll turn to you with that, Jace. Being good in the NFL is hard enough. Being consistently good is what separates backup from starters, and you think Huntley in this game certainly re-established uh, where he is in that pecking order. Yeah, I... I... I'll admit, may have been a little heat of the moment uh, <laughs> feeling uh, in some ways to that uh, that sentiment I shared. But I, I do think like this game kind of separated what, you know, for all those people who have been complaining about Lamar Jackson, including some of us on this show, I think it's important to remember... Lamar pulled out these uh, big comebacks. He, he, you know, he makes the special plays. In this game, like, I just felt like, you know, Huntley has done a lot of great things, honestly. I, I've been impressed with him a lot. But, like, I mean, at the end of the day, this team doesn't score a touchdown on offense. And it's the first time they haven't done that since uh, our, our boy Joe Flacco was quarterback early in the 2018 season. It's been a long time since the Ravens hadn't scored an offensive TD. And, um... You know, they score one offensive touchdown, they probably win this game. Um, and it, it was just the, the accumulation of of the mistakes, like the, li the little things you mentioned, Antonio. I mean, he was sacked five times. Not all his fault, but um, th there was uh, – you mentioned the missed opportunities. There was there – was I actually jotted down a few different ones that even didn't make your list, Antonio. There was a drive – the drive that made it 16-7. to The Ravens have another great drive going. And it's on a, 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 a second down play, I believe. Um, Hollywood Brown is wide open. And also, there's about room for Tyler Huntley 
to run for 15 yards if he so chooses. He chose the uh, the neither option, which was throwing <laughs> the ball into the dirt uh, between him and Hollywood Brown. And it was just like those kind of plays, like that indecisiveness that I think like you can't have, like a, a, start, a good starting quarterback, a starting quarterback period really in the NFL, like can't be indecisive on those plays. And it's just the little things, but when you're, you're, you're operating at such a deficit as the Ravens are right now, like you, you have to pay attention to the little things. And I just thought it really cost them in this game um, because like, you know, they lose by one point and you need, when when you're just so talent deficient as they are right now, you need everything to go right. And I, and I didn't think, you know, Huntley was able to kind of paper over those gaps and certainly a way Lamar Jackson's been able to. So I don't blame it all on him. Maybe I blame the uh, delay of game a little bit on him. Uh, he claims that... The refs, uh, there was a second on the clock, but I hate to break it to him. The refs are looking at the same exact clock uh, that he is. So, And they could have called him for delay a game on the first two uh, snaps on that first goal sequence um, as well. And, yeah, as you said, there's an argument Harbaugh could have called timeout there. Uh, but also he probably is just expecting his quarterback to get the ball snap. So... I, I just thought it was like a, a lack, a, maybe like a lack of poise under pressure, you could say, but... I definitely think we saw like why he he isn't obviously Lamar Jackson uh, in this game uh, because they score one touchdown they win and they didn't so yeah I mean you kind of painted it all there with a very good brush Jace I, I thought he played relatively well you know being in the stadium you're not getting the benefit as, as uh, of as many replays and you're not getting the benefit of, you know, commentators and stuff. Well, I say benefit, but you know how I feel about most commentators in today's game. <laughs> um, I thought he was okay. I mean, I think that this whole hoopla about how he's played for some good games is a bit ridiculous. I mean, the spot start against Chicago, he was just fine enough for them to barely win that game. And like everybody's saying, well, Maybe he starts over Lamar. Like, no, that's always been ridiculous and will continue to be ridiculous because some sports media companies think that's the easiest way to get ratings. And unfortunately, it is um, in today's in today's landscape. But I'm I want to push back a little bit only because we've seen the same issues with Lamar Jackson, too, like the. The interception, it's a miscommunication is what it is. Hollywood, I believe it's Hollywood, is running deep, and the ball's just thrown short. And I don't think it's a missed throw. I think it's a, he thought it was a comeback route or Hollywood didn't make the route. I tend to believe it's the backup second-year quarterback that made the mistake, but you're, we're never going to know that. But Lamar has made those too. Lamar has had some horrendous picks this year. Um, the, the drive at the end of the game to score the, to, the when they need to score the touchdown, the one good drive where they run it down the Rams throat to the point where I'm screaming it, screaming from the stadium, run it down their damn throat, please. And thank you over and over and over again. And it was working. And the, and the, as I've talked about so many times on this podcast this year, there, it, it's like jazz. There's a rhythm to it. There's a, there's a tempo. There's, there's something that feels right as you're in the stadium and even watching on tv you just everything is clicking and it's moving at a good pace and then at the in the end zone that gets completely lost and everything gets disjointed one bad play leads to another bad play i mean the second down call is egregious the 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 rams show blitz sell out for blitz and yet greg roman still decides to run it with no sort of audible check down or 
um, as a friend of mine who I was watching the game with said, uh, just or maybe Pat in the flat, referencing Pat Ricard, and maybe something something a little bit different that could have worked. And none of that was there, and we've seen that all year. This team has failed to convert chances when they needed to all year. Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley, what have you. So I, I agree that he wasn't, you know, he's not some superstar. Maybe they win this game with Lamar Jackson. Uh, I knew a couple fans who I was with who, frankly, were pretty pissed off that Lamar wasn't playing with an ankle. Uh, an ankle that, will, will, who knows how severe it is, but a in a must-win game to keep your playoff hopes alive. If you can walk, you can play type of thing. And we all saw the video in midweek where it looked pretty bad. So I tend to kind of disagree with that. But there is that sentiment there where it's, hey, guys play banged up, and maybe you can't be as effective as a runner, but you could still probably sling the ball a little bit better than Tyler Huntley because you're just a better quarterback. You are, and I think we all agree with that. But, um, you know, whether that's his call, whether that's the coach's call, who knows. But... I think that the the problems that we had uh, on the offensive side of the ball, Huntley is an issue, of course, and he is definitely a backup, but I don't think we can just sit here and simply say that because there are some of the same problems that we even saw with Lamar Jackson at quarterback early in the year. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree with you, Tim, and not <laughs> whoever thought that uh, Lamar should have played in this game. If the video from midweek was truthful at all unless it was literally him trying to look more injured than he actually was he should not have bothered playing in this game at all I mean he was literally walking like an old man with arthritis like I I don't like he would have gotten destroyed in this game and probably would have just re-injured it so I'm not gonna go that far but I do agree that there were some of the same exact issues that we've seen all season from everybody else around the quarterback in this game you mentioned the second down of that pivotal drive being a sort of a busted play. Four out of the five offensive linemen for the Ravens are on the ground at some point during that play, and it's just <laughs> like a dive, basically. So there are issues all over the field. It's frustrating because I would you know, I would have rather just lost this game by 20, and then I wouldn't have been as disappointed <laughs> that one of these plays could have meant a victory and meant the Ravens had a chance for a postseason with maybe a healthier Lamar Jackson a few weeks down the road. But um, that's the situation that this Ravens offense has been in in the last three, three, four, five weeks, and, and they haven't been able to to get past the fact of what the situation is personnel-wise, what the situation is with the offensive coordinator, and just being able to improve, basically, to, to get any better than what you are at this point in the regular season. A couple of guys that stood out offensively, and then, and then we can turn defensively. Mark Andrews just continues uh, having the season of his life. It's nice that we've extended him now. I'm, as a Ravens fan, beyond paranoid about the timing of the extension and how well he's playing and what it's meant with some other Ravens that we've recently extended. I'm going to knock on all the wood and just hope he stays healthy because that's the only thing remaining now um, based on, on how his, he's put everything together and had another solid game. And then Rashad Bateman. Uh, coming back into the fold with, uh, I, I believe, seven catches in this game and was converting first downs. He's just such an obvious hands catcher. Like, he doesn't let the ball hit him in the chest. He's comfortable as a rookie catching it with his hands away from his body. And that bodes well, I think, for a wide receiver where I think rookies who, even ones we would see in college, who would catch the ball with their hands, then you see them as rookies when the speed is different and the violence is different. All of a sudden they become 
uh, like chest catchers and shoulder pad catchers, and he's not that. Uh, and he's continued to build on a strong season. And then we can turn defensively with Chuck Clark, Tim, who uh, has been one of your guys for, for years and was not necessarily a turnover-type player, was more just that, like, solid, dependable starter, but turned it on in a game where defensively they needed somebody to step up, and he has two interceptions in this game and a touchdown scored uh, and really led that defense for, I'll say, three quarters. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll get to the negative here in a second. Um <laughs> I will admit, you throw to me here, and you both know, so you're throwing me under the bus a bit, that I was in the bathroom for the first pick six, which is incredibly annoying. And the second one was a gift from Stafford. And Stafford, you know, we're not going to spend too much time on this game because I don't know how much you take out of it from a Ravens point of view other than the fact that, you know, the season is effectively over. Uh, Go Jaguars. Um, But that Rams team ain't winning anything. And that team, as constructed, at least just seeing them live. They're just they're just not winning anything. And I'm not even going to sit here and put it on Stafford because I like Stafford. I think Stafford's a good quarterback. But they're just they're missing some it factor. And what ha- that's what happens when you pay four or five five star guys, and then the rest of it around it is not as good as those you know studs. At, le- at least in my opinion. If you guys disagree, I'd love to hear it too. Um, but yeah, Chuck Clark. Look, we've been talking about it all year. Gift or no gift on the interceptions, you ne- you have to make the plays. Uh, on the way over, I was talking with some friends as we were watching the game, and that's and that's what we said. Stafford likes to give the ball away, but is Kevon Seymour going to make the play when it's presented to him? Is uh, I don't know if Robert Jackson was playing. Apologies to Robert Jackson. Are, 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 do they have the guys on defense who are going to make those plays when needed? And you know what? Chuck Clark, one of the starters who's still miraculously playing football uh, late in, or early January, excuse me, for the Baltimore Ravens, did. And that's, and that's really good to see. Um, Outside of him, I just want to point out two other guys. I think Tony Jefferson, you know, he's not the Tony Jefferson that signed from Arizona that looked like one of those steel signings. Then obviously injuries got the best of him. Um, but a guy that maybe in the offseason, he sits down with Eric DaCosta and says, hey, look, you know, it ain't going to be a veteran minimum deal, but maybe something a little bit more than that. You're comfortable here. We're comfortable with you. And maybe sort of your Anthony Levine, but actually plays defense type of a guy who can be a solid player and fill a role for this team. And then the other guy I want to point out who I've been more and more impressed with as the season has gone on is Brandon Stevens. That pick was, if you don't know, the third round pick out of SMU. The whole story went to UCLA. He was a running back. He transfers to uh, SMU as a corner. The Ravens draft him and say he's going to be a safety. The pick gets universally panned as a WTF moment. Like, what are they doing? Who is this guy? They don't know who he is. Uh, according to PFF, three of the last five weeks, he's graded out as one of the best Ravens um, on, who, like, according to their, they grade every single player based on their point scale. PFF, take it with a grain of salt if you like. I tend to trust it uh, uh, a lot. Um, and Brandon Stevens, first year as a safety. And he's doing it in the National Football League. And the guy is continuing to make plays. He's a solid tackler. And he has all the physical tools. I mean, you look at him out there, and he looks like an NFL safety. He's big, fast, strong. And it's a guy that, you know, they raved about in preseason. They raved about James Prochet, too. So, you know, we see what happens with with guys like that. But someone who I'm very excited uh, to to have a future in this defensive backfield that – you like to say is loaded, but then constantly gets hurt. 
<laughs> he made an awesome tackle, Tim, uh, on a third down uh, that stopped the Rams short. Um, I believe that was before the, you know, disastrous yes. end of half sequence for the Ravens. But um, I do want to actually just push back on you a little bit uh, as regards to the Rams, uh, Tim, because I think for me, like, when this kind of gets us into the fourth quarter as well, like, the big difference in this game is that the Rams have special players, and the Ravens, mostly thanks to injuries, but you could also argue perhaps some roster construction issues, uh, don't <laughs> um, at, at present time outside of, you mentioned, you know, Mark Andrews probably, uh, Ravens all-time single-season receptions leader, if we, uh, receiving yards leader, if we didn't say that. But, like, in the fourth quarter, you just saw, like, even Stafford, as much as he struggled, he was, like, money down the stretch, and... Um, and, and then conversely, on and then, like, you see Beckham catches the big fourth down, fourth and five when the Rams absolutely need it. Beckham, their big pickup comes through. And then at the end of the game, Von Miller, their another big pickup, makes a big play. And then Aaron Donald's just wrecking things all day in between here and there. Um, I think it was just the big separator between these teams in the fourth quarter is when it was winning time, the Rams' best players all stepped up and uh, the Ravens just didn't have a guy... Uh, to answer is certainly on the defensive side of the ball, but I think, you know, on offense, certainly, as we said, they didn't score a touchdown, so no one really came through there. But I I think that's the, the, I think the disappointing thing for me, and we've harped on it, but like they, they made some defensive plays. They had a really good defensive performance. And then when you needed one player to step up and make the big play, um, as has been so often the case this season, like outside of, you know, Adafa away, the second game of the season, it just didn't happen. Uh, they didn't get the stop. And for, for, so for me, that was the difference. I don't know if that means the Rams can win the Super Bowl, but I do think the, the, the difference in just high quality level of player they have available to them versus what the Ravens have right now, I think was on display in that final frame. It's a fascinating case study of a roster, Jace, because that what, what is going to win in the postseason, I think I'm like it's a mix. I think of, for me of what you two are saying, they have a stud make an unbelievable play, and then their lack of depth has them have six plays in a row where they lose on that play, and then they have a superstar save them and get a big first down or get a big catch or a big sack, and then they're just mediocre for the next ten to twelve plays because that's just what their roster is. Is that going to succeed? In the playoffs, they've struggled against good teams so far this year, and they've beaten bad teams this year, and they have, for the most part, I'll say, and they have, uh, what are they, 11-4 and four right now? I'm trying to... 12-4. 12-4. Uh, I have doubts about Stafford. I think, I mean, I, I suppose I'm much more negative on Stafford than the two of you are because I don't think he can put a 60-minute game together against a good team, and that's going to show... Yes, he was money late, but he had to be money late because of the mistakes he had made early, which were not one or two, but several. He had a horrendous fumble in the red zone when they should have scored, and he just is trying to make a play when he's getting sacked, and he ends up having the ball just ripped away from him. (laughs) Um, And I think that's Stafford. I think he has both of those things in every game, but you can't have that in the postseason. And at a certain point, your stars aren't going to be able to make every single big play – when when you're down late against a really good team and i i am sort of intrigued uh from a, from a gambling perspective dare i say of a postseason round 1 game for this team because i just don't i don't see the 60 minute consistency in this team 
And that's what happened in this Ravens game where they were able to make a couple of plays late to steal a game against a really depleted team that they probably should have handled uh, much earlier and much easier. But they were down the entire game. Yeah, it's an interesting philosophy, too. And this is not a Rams podcast. Fansided, I'm sure, has a wonderful Rams podcast that you can listen to if you need more of this. But it's so weird for us just because we have grown up with this Ravens team that is all about the draft and not, and you know, right player, right price and all this stuff. And the Rams have gone, F that. First round picks don't matter. And have, and have thrown first round picks away over and over and over again to bring in star players. And at some point, the tax man is going to come to collect like that. It's the same thing with the Buccaneers who we will definitely talk about here in the NFL recap in just a second. Um, But I like, like I like Sean McVay. I like a lot of their talent watching Aaron Donald live. Like I honestly, I thought the best case scenario for this game was the Ravens were going to get blown out and I was going to get to watch Aaron Donald play. And I really didn't care. (laughs) And frankly, obviously, you know, as we mentioned, it was a lot closer, and Aaron Donald still made a bunch of ridiculous plays. That guy is a freak, and it's awesome to watch him in person. Jace, if you live in L.A., go watch him in person, please. He's a marvel. Um, but it's such a high-risk, high, and it's, it's probably just a different strategy and, you know, different strokes, different folks, what have you, but it is such a high-risk thing where I think you limit your window so much and it it closes it so quickly because you bring all these guys in aging superstars on massive contracts and you better win in those two three years that you can keep them all around and they haven't done that yet they have not done that yet and I'm sorry this team is not going to Lambeau and beating Aaron Rodgers they're just not doing it It, it, Lambeau in in late January early February where it's freezing cold I know Stafford's an NFC North guy but that 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 team is not going to have the juice to beat Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Kenny Clark, uh, Darius Smith, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, like these guys that have done it in Green Bay. Um, and I, I know Green Bay has their own playoff issues, but I trust that team in the cold way more than I do uh, uh, a Matt Stafford-led, superstar-driven L.A. Rams team. And, you know, that could be old man football talking. You know? I'm, I'm more than willing to accept that, but I just don't see it. Yeah, uh, and just finishing up on this game, I love the Tony Jefferson plug because he did play well, and he was flying all over the field. It's, it was so obvious how happy he is to be playing football. I, I feel like he was, like, coming back to every play and, like, hustling back to every play, even ones that he wasn't involved in. And then Jimmy Smith. I, I liked what I saw from Jimmy Smith. Um, almost had the play of the game. It seemed like he may have <laughs> saved the game uh, on the Rams' final drive where he cuts out the like the run to the left side and he's able to push him back for a loss when it seemed like the touchdown was inevitable, but they then scored a touchdown very soon after that. But good job for, for Jimmy Smith for being healthy and, uh, and playing in a game at this stage of his career and making plays. Anything else from this game, guys? I, I, I'm intrigued by this Rams discussion, but we're not a Rams podcast. I want to get off of this, uh, and we'll we'll see how they do in the postseason, and we'll see if they can even get to uh, a matchup with the Packers. But anything else uh, from this game for you guys before we turn to the NFL at large here? It was just frustrating that it was so much of the same. Just as you said, missed a, gave them missed opportunities, and uh, they'll... they'll 
I'll, I'll say this. I'll certainly think about this Raven season a lot in the years <laughs> to come, but it's definitely, a, and we'll break it down more, I'm sure, in the weeks and months ahead of what the heck. We got a lot of time. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this has been an insane season, and it's, you know, it's just a bummer. It kind of ended in the same, same way we've been watching for a month now. I'll end it on this. More purple on purple, please, that isn't just the color rush. I like the color rush and the gold numbers. It's fine. It's good. The per and the Ravens, I think, and, you know, purple tinted glasses, what have you, have great uniform combinations for the most part. More of that classic Ravens purple jersey with the purple pants. It worked. It popped. It looked really, really strong. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, all right. Let's look at the AFC North first. Um... I did not watch a ton of Kansas City, Cincinnati, but I saw the ticker at a certain point showing the score, and it was Chiefs 28, Bengals 14, and I was like, that makes sense. This is all going according to plan, all going according to my T's also that I uh, put in the gambling section last week. And then I like didn't see the score again or was not able to watch any of this game until it was over, and all of a sudden... Cincinnati had won this game, 31, excuse me, 34 to 31. I'll, I mean, hand up, like, I didn't see this coming. I lost this pick in every way. I thought the Bengals were going to get just so, like, frauded out here after their win against the uh, Ravens D squad, but they take care of business at home. They beat the Chiefs, who were on a tear. They're 10-6. and six. They could have the number one seed, depending on how certain things fall in the final week of the year. Chase, what uh, what what happened here? Uh, this was a weird game, uh, Antonio. So this game, the the number one thing you need to know about this game is Jamar Chase is really good. Um, and the Chiefs had literally no answer for him. He had eleven receptions for two hundred and sixty six yards and three touchdowns in this game, uh, and was just some insane plays. Burrow threw for four forty six. Uh, in this game, um, it was basically they had no answer for the Burrow to Chase combination on, on the uh, the game winning, uh, what proved to be the game winning uh, drive at the end of the game. Uh, Burrow and Chase connected on a third and 27 play on just a beautiful uh, throw, back shoulder catch. Um, that was really impressive. It was actually guarded pretty well by the Chiefs. Wasn't always the case <laughs> for some of Chase's catches throughout the day. But the end of this game was very strange. I know you said you didn't see much. So. Um, the Bengals had like eight opportunities uh, on the goal line. <laughs> um, they they reached first and goal with under two minutes to go, and they got stopped. And it looked like they they went for it on fourth down for some reason, even though it was a tie game, uh, and then got bailed out uh, by both teams committing penalties. And then they went for it on fourth down again, even though a field goal still would have won the game. And, of course, the Chiefs commit a penalty in the end zone. The Bengals kneel it out and then kick a game-winning field goal. So it worked out for them, but it was, it was a little bit of a baffling sequence to watch. It, it had it had both kicked the field goal Twitter and analytics Twitter very confused simultaneously, which is how you know it was a special moment online. But, uh, yeah, the Bengals are AFC North champions now. Joe Burrow, is I don't think he'll get it, but he's certainly made a very – late season push here for MVP consideration. Um, and it's annoying just in the sense that the Ravens have to play this team every year. And I think they're certainly ahead of schedule. I don't, uh, you know, the Bengals were the fourth place picked to finish fourth in this division uh, by the odds makers. Um, 
But yeah, they're going to host a home playoff game. As we said, they haven't won a playoff game since the 1990 season. Um, so it's been a long time uh, back when they played at Three Rivers Stadium. So who knows if they'll win. But um, yeah, I didn't see this coming. And now, as you said, the Chiefs on the other side, the Titans are on have the inside track for the number one seed uh, if they win next week. So a very consequential game all the way around. And as we said, I don't think one we saw coming at all. Yeah, I mean... It's. I'd like to make the jokes. First time since 2015, and they're celebrating like they won the Super Bowl. Boys, 1990, last time you won a playoff game. Like I, you, you are not that guy, pal. Um, and and they still actually kind of aren't, to be completely honest. Um, they need to show this consistently. What worries me is that they will. I think this is a, a bit of a. <laughs> A bit of a changing of the guard in the AFC North. Um, you know, the Browns will continue to fumble over everything that they do and possibly try to achieve and fail miserably, leaving that entire city <laughs> and fan base um, in a hopeless state of depression, and long may it continue. Uh, the Steelers, we'll see. The Steelers have some massive issues, but the Steelers are the Steelers are the Steelers are the Steelers. Infrastructure always wins, and something tells me They'll be right back to where they need to be sooner rather than later. And trust me, so they're going to get one of these quarterbacks, Tim, and be good. And one of them, and, and one I, of no them will work. And one of them will work, yeah. even though it's supposed to be a weak quarterback class. You know, <laughs> Matt Corral, who just got injured in his bowl game. Should they play? Should they not? We're not doing that here. Um, you know, all of a sudden we'll fall to them in like the second round. They'll be able to draft some stud defensive tackle in the first round and. You know, we'll be screwed for another 10 years. That, that, that will probably happen. Um, and, and I think the Ravens will bounce back. I really do. I think this team's too talented uh, when, when all is healthy. But I worry that the Bengals are a very, very real danger. Now, Super Bowl contender in the next couple of years? Probably not. I still think they have some stuff to, that they really need to fix. I think, you have to, I think you have to go to the playoffs and deal with playoff games. I think it's a, you know passing of the torch type of moment i don't think a young team like this can just walk right through some of these teams that they're going to have to face to win a super bowl but i do think joe burrow is going to win a super bowl in cincinnati and i'm going to hate it like i think that they are on the right path um they just need a, a couple more pieces and and as we talked about last week already what they have established here and what they have already put in place um is is a hell of a foundation, man. And uh, it's going to be a pain in the butt to play them twice a year for the next 10, 12 years. With the Bengals winning the North, it I mean, it looks like that the order of this division is going to be almost the exact opposite of what sort of the chalk punditry was with Cincinnati, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. A lot of people had that exactly the opposite. Uh, and that's why the NFL is impossible to predict. Elsewhere, in the uh, in the North, Steelers Browns have not played. They play tonight as we record on Monday. Uh, you guys listening will have known the result yet. Um, however, uh, another uh, a late Christmas present for Jace because uh, and, and Tim, uh, the Browns were eliminated from playoff contention over the weekend before their game. So now they have this just random Steelers game, Big Ben in Pittsburgh uh, event. Uh, I'll let you guys touch on that if you want, but. In lieu of being able to talk about their performance over the weekend, uh, I'm going to set you guys up with this question instead. And it was tweeted to us by Phil Jerkin. Phil, thank you for uh, reaching out to Pod Like a Raven. And his question is, is Baker Mayfield just a sober Johnny Manziel? Um, I'm going to say no, because I think people forget 
just how bad every version of Johnny Menzel was in the NFL. Baker Mayfield's won a playoff game, uh, broke the record for like touchdown passes as a rookie quarterback at the time, but has obviously struggled since. But I'm still going to say no, uh, but I, I will turn to you two to, uh, to analyze that, that question from Phil as well as uh, what we make of, of the Steelers and the Browns uh, not having seen their, their game Monday night. Yeah, I don't want to talk too much about it because anything we say will be dated. Um, and I'll, I will say this, putting myself out there, I think the Steelers win this game, and I think there is a slight chance that they kill them, um, to kill the Browns in this Big Ben redemption tour, with renegade blasting every time he scores a touchdown and all this crap. Um, and say it quietly, I'm actually looking forward to that if it happens. I know it's Pittsburgh, but I'm kind of looking forward to that because I respect them, and I do not respect the city of Cleveland. Uh, but I, with the Browns, first of all, you can always contact us, Twitter, Instagram, uh, PodLakerRaven, Gmail, PodLakerRaven.com. And if you want us to read something out, make fun of Baker Mayfield because we will do it. <laughs> I, I will read anything. It is a family show. I will say that. But anything, uh, you know, that toes the line, sure, why not? We'll squeeze it in. Yeah, I, I mean, Baker's better than Manziel because Manziel wasn't an, like an NFL quarterback. I think Baker's a very good backup. I don't even think Manziel's that good. What I love about this even more is they're already eliminated, right? They could win these next two games. It's against Pittsburgh. It's against Cincinnati. There's a realistic chance. Cleveland is favored in Week 18. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. They could win these two games and... You know, I, I was lucky enough to go on the Dogs of War podcast with those guys, the fan side of Browns pod, if you want to listen back to that a couple weeks ago. And I, and I asked them the question about Baker Mayfield. What do you guys feel? And because of just the atrocities that they have drug out at quarterback, from Seneca Wallace to Tim Couch, or Tim was pretty good is what I kept being told, but okay, sure. Um, they're ride or die with Baker Mayfield. And Please long, it, it needs to continue. And I honestly think that this, I think they're going to sign him to a deal. I think that this is going to continue. Not Maybe not this offseason, maybe it's the one last chance to prove himself. But I think the, the Browns are so scared of going back to being putrid rather than average that we're going to see this regime run it back again. And frankly, I just, they're not good enough. They're not good enough. Look at Burrow. Look at the difference maker he is. And Baker Mayfield is not that guy, and if they try and sign him to some sort of deal that, you know, it'll be, in terms of quarterback contracts, cap-friendly, but it'll still be a pretty big number because he is a quarterback. That could hurt them in the future, and I, because of the fear of going back into the actual doldrums of the NFL, I see them keeping him around. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me, Tim. I, like, unless they make a really bold move for one of these QBs who might be on the market this offseason, your Russell Wilsons, your Deshaun Watsons, what have you, I, I think you kind of have to go with Baker. And I will say that question made me laugh a lot. I'm sure that came through on the audio. But uh, Baker is obviously better than Johnny Benzel. But he is in that, I think, place you, you mentioned basically where they're, they're you're kind of stuck because he he is he's kind of the Kirk like the the Kirk Cousins 2.0 in some ways I think like I think he is an NFL quarterback like he's he's certainly starter caliber um but also you have a clear ceiling if he's your starter um and, and that's a tough place to be for I think a team as talented as that and as you said I mean for your in-state rival two years later, first overall pick to get Joe Burrow out of it. And we're, we're already talking about him. Like he might be on an MVP path. Um, 
that that has to just drive you insane that you took Baker first and he's just fine. And especially in a draft where Lamar Jackson went 32nd overall, Josh Allen went, I believe he was seventh overall, somewhere like that. Like there were great quarterbacks in that draft and you ended up with the third best <laughs> at first overall. Um, and, and that's tough. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Browns getting eliminated, very funny. There was a very, uh, I didn't, I didn't click on it. Uh, I was doing some things yesterday, but there was a, a, a Browns Twitter space about them getting eliminated to the playoffs that drew thousands of listeners <laughs> that got populated onto my feed. So they're handling it well. I'm sure. I'm sure things are fine in Cleveland. Not only do I think the Browns are going to sign Baker Mayfield, I think they're going to do it this summer because this is their opportunity to maybe shave millions By of dollars off of the dim buy low here uh i'd be more i think the bigger debate is whether he takes it or not like whether or not he has the i mean ego is like too much of a negative word here but the confidence in himself to say you know what no let's play out that last season and, and see how it goes from there but if from the browns perspective i think they're absolutely going to try to uh try to do it with mayfield and uh and we're supportive of that here on on pod <laughs> Um, elsewhere in the NFL, a couple of games happened. I'm going to list off a few and let my co-hosts talk about their favorite moments uh, from this past weekend. The Raiders stay in the playoff hunt with a win at Indianapolis that I don't think a lot of people had had picked there. Miami ends their seven-game win streak by losing to the Titans by 31 points, and Miami comes back down to earth and gets eliminated from the postseason in the process. Or from a potential postseason berth in the process. And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, guys, they they also played a football game uh, on Sunday and had a bizarre come-from-behind win at the Jets uh, in a strange game. And I don't I don't know. I'll, I'll let you guys just sort of take it from there about what your highlights were from this, uh, this past weekend. Um, so I'll pick up here, Jace, only because... Being at the game, I didn't have my typical second TV red zone really following the stuff as they were going along. But I did, you know, routinely check my phone as you're waiting for the commercial breaks in the stadium and they're doing something on the the big screens there that is just simply not interesting. And I see Antonio Brown with his shirt off, pads off, socks off, (laughs) I think. I don't remember dancing around in the back of the end zone while the game is being played. Um, And I want to caveat all of this with Antonio Brown clearly has some sort of mental health issue that needs to be figured out. The guy needs some help. But at the same time, it was objectively hilarious watching whatever that was go on in the back of the Jets end zone. While they're in a bad game, by the way, and there's all these rumors flying about about do the Buccaneers try and force him to play and some other stuff was about his bonus or something, what have you. We don't really need to get into all that. But watching a surreal, this has never happened on a football field and probably will never happen again moment, um, I thought was just incredible Uh, in in every definition of the word incredible. Um, And frankly, talent usually conquers all. And, you know, people will be forgiven for a a number of things if you're talented enough. This one, I think, is the end of Antonio Brown's career. Uh, I really do in the NFL. We'll see. You know, 
people have short memories when they need wide receivers in the playoffs. But I don't think we see Antonio Brown ever suit up for a team ever again. And then my only other quick highlight here, Jace, before you pop in and talk actual football, is the decimation and destruction of FedEx Field. Now, FedEx Field is the, the home of the Washington football team. Uh, it is a place that, uh, and I know we have you know Chris Main and others, shout out to him, uh, loyal listeners to this show who are also football team fans, and, and I, I do appreciate them listening every day. As someone who has gone to that stadium a couple of times, uh, a lot of times for like pre-season soccer games where it takes me almost three hours to get from the District of Columbia into that stadium because the parking situation is, is just absolutely atrocious. For a 100,000-seat stadium, there's one way in, one way out, and no public transportation in the District of Columbia. I know it's Landover or whatever, but it's the D.C. football team. Uh, I, I vow to never go there again. And thank the Lord, because I don't want to die at a football game. Now, if you didn't see this news, first of all, there's been multiple reports of other things happening this year. Um, the sewage pipes busted at FedEx Field, dripping... Rainwater, Tim, according to the team. <laughs> oh, well, here's what I'll say. Fecal matter onto different uh, people in the stadium, which is absolutely, uh, horrendously disgusting. Um, and then, this time, Jalen Hurts is walking down the tunnel, and as fans do, and you build stadiums to protect from this, they are crowding the railing, trying to get high fives, autographs, what have you. A bunch of Eagles fans having a good old time. And it doesn't even look like, you know, that... It's not a ridiculous, obscene amount of people. They're not flooding the gates. Well, the gate comes crashing down, uh, and these people fall, you know, at least, I would say, seven, eight feet off the ground, maybe even higher. Uh, I'm bad at math. And almost onto Jalen Hurts, who is cool as a cucumber. He's an NFL quarterback. He gets out of the way. Nice enough to take pictures with some of the guys and what have you. But what in the world? Like, a professional football stadium that is just crumbling – from the inside out to me, I, I found almost as astounding as Antonio Brown stripping down to his football pants and nothing but his football pants and dancing his way out of MetLife Stadium. The FedEx Field thing's always confused me, Tim, because it's one year older than M&T Bank Stadium, and yet you'd think it was built in, like, the 1950s. It's, like, has so many issues. You didn't even mention another highlight this year was when Taylor Heineke just found scissors on the field that might have fallen out of a medical bag. That was another another fun FedEx Field highlight of the season. Um, that was a scary situation. It was very strange. I haven't seen anything quite like that in a long time. And then, yeah, the Antonio Brown thing, like you said, that's something I've never seen uh, on a football field. I, I didn't, like, I, I was similar to you. It must have been during a commercial break. I just kind of opened my phone to kind of check out what was going on um, in other games. And it was it was 80 tweets about Antonio Brown just took off his uniform and is, like, dancing in the end zone. And I was like, what? And I had to find the video. I think you're right. I think it's the end of his career. Um because, you know, you're playing for Bruce Arians, um, who he had kind of told Peter King, it sounded like he had asked Brown to, like, go in the game, and Brown just refused. Uh, maybe he said his ankle hurt, but it's very unclear still. Arians didn't talk about it much after the game. He just said Antonio Brown's no longer a buck, and then didn't talk about it because uh, he isn't a member of the team anymore, is what uh, Arians said. But Bruce Arians is one of the biggest player coaches uh, or most, like, player-friendly coaches, and he just, like, went to bat for Antonio Brown, like, a week ago when he allowed him back on his team after the whole, you know, fake vaccine card thing. And, you know, if you're not going to, like, play for Tom Brady, like, literally the greatest quarterback in the history of the sport, like, I just don't see another team taking um, 
just taking that risk. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is the end for Antonio, Antonio Brown. It, it was very wild. It was very strange. Uh, I, I, it made me think back to when Ravens Twitter was insistent that the Ravens should sign Antonio Brown, which was a hilarious uh, subplot of, of off-seasons past. But, yeah, that was very odd. In terms of things that happened on the field, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Antonio setting everything up. With the Bengals winning uh, and then also the Raiders winning, that that did not that did not help the Ravens out much. Uh and, and we've mentioned several times. I don't know. Do we want to just dive into what this scenario is now? I, I, want, to add, uh, I want to add one more thing to the Antonio okay. Brown yeah. story, which I, uh, like, I'm mad it worked last year. <laughs> I'm upset <laughs> yes. that Tom Brady was a, who, by the way, I think he is the only, you talk about Antonio Brown not having an opportunity to play again. I don't think he would have gotten an opportunity with the Bucks or any other team even before this, save for the NFL player with the most clout and weight in the history of the NFL. Like, I <laughs> I think only Tom Brady, you know, going to bat for a player who was not on an NFL team was going to be enough to, to convince, a, a, you know, a front office to sign him and you've burned that bridge now too. And I just, I don't know what's left. And I would have been, it's like, I, I'm curious behind the scenes, what other quarterback, what other individual player would have had the sway to bring Antonio Brown besides Tom Brady, but it worked and they won a Super Bowl, and they all have Super Bowls now. And I don't like it. It's not supposed to work out like that. Um, but yeah, I do not see Antonio Brown playing in the NFL again, and I also am very certain that we will hear something uh, about Antonio Brown uh, before the uh, what before 2022 is up. I'll say we have a, we have a whole year to wait for some more news to come from him. But let's turn Jace to uh, to the playoff scenarios as you mentioned uh, in the AFC at least the Titans, Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, and Patriots. The five teams they have all locked up playoff berths. And then there's two spots left for the Colts, Chargers, Raiders, Steelers, and Ravens uh, in some way, shape, or form with various tiebreakers. The Ravens winning would have certainly uh, made things a lot easier uh, against the Rams, but we have we've moved past that section. We're moving, we're moving forward. The Ravens somehow still have a scenario to go to the postseason, and the following things need to happen. The Ravens need to win at home against the Steelers next week. The Browns, who as of obviously this recording, still have two games to play. They have to lose one of their two games to Pittsburgh or Cincinnati. That has nothing to do with the Browns making the playoffs. That just impacts various tiebreakers, but they have to lose one of their two games. The Patriots have to beat the Dolphins. They will be favored in that game. The Raiders have to beat the Chargers which that will be more of a toss-up, but it is in Las Vegas, and the Raiders are fighting for a playoff spot, so they're going to be motivated against the Chargers. And then the tough one. Uh, the Your Jacksonville Jaguars have to beat the Indianapolis Colts. That one's <laughs> going to be tough. Jace was saying what the line was uh, pre-recorded. 16 and a half, Jace? What, uh, what was that? No. Uh, it might have pushed to 17 and a ah, half. Okay, <laughs> so we just need uh, one of the biggest yeah. upsets... Uh, 
I mean, in the history of the NFL, I don't know. <laughs> Certainly, I would uh, think it's it's or, uh, no, sorry, that's Buffalo is minus seventeen. Indianapolis is actually minus fifteen and a half. Not quite as okay. Crazy. So not as yeah, not as uh, still a cool impossible, uh, but it's going to be tough. <laughs> it's going to be tough. The Jags have looked worse and worse as the season has gone along. But if this year's NFL has been any indication of like a wacky possibility. The Jaguars would win this game after losing horrendously in their in their last five plus uh, games. I think it's even way way more than that. The more likely scenario: uh, the Colts beat the Jags. The Colts will then get a playoff spot. Uh, they will get that sixth seed, and then the winner, essentially the winner of Raiders Chargers, will likely get the last spot. So. I turn to you guys. I'm not going to ask for uh, for hope or, or opportunity here with this all various scenarios, but overall, considering even including the Colts probably beating the Jaguars, how do you see the uh, the final two spots here shaking out with the Colts and then the Raiders and Chargers in their matchup? Yeah, I think it was going to be the Colts and the Chargers um, getting in. I, 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 I think the Chargers have been actually playing kind of better. They got a bunch of guys back after their – I mean, obviously they had a very weird loss last week to the Texans, but they, they hammer the Broncos 34-13, to and that was actually the game that sort of knocked a bunch of teams out. That's the one that knocked the Broncos out, the Browns out, the Dolphins out. And, uh, yeah, I think the Chargers will get it done. I mean, I guess credit the Raiders for fighting back. They've obviously – a few teams have had a, a, as wild a season as the Raiders, and the fact that they're they're winning in for a playoff spot is pretty crazy. That game's obviously the Sunday night uh, capper uh, to things. Um, but as you said, it gets a little more interesting if the Colts lose. I don't see that happening, even though I was surprised the Colts lost to the Raiders in the first place. Um the, the the Jags are, are are trying to mail it in. It looks like Trevor Lawrence leads the NFL in interceptions. Uh, they just lost. They gave up a fifty burger. It, it doesn't bode well. So yeah, I think the Colts get it. You know the Ravens. I know they're mathematically alive as we just laid out. It's it wasn't good when I when I first checked after uh, the late games at the playoff standings on ESPN. It's never a good sign when you're behind a team in the standings that's already eliminated. <laughs> the Ravens are currently the eleventh seed. Uh, the Dolphins are 10th, and they're knocked out. So, yeah, that kind of paints a picture of uh, the Ravens' very long odds, I would say, uh, in this. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter if they don't beat the Steelers anyway. So, that's obviously a, a whole side thing we'll get into in a second. But, yeah, I think Colts-Chargers is the, the easy go-to, it seems like. Colts get in, and then you'll have to wait for the picks to see who I think gets in between the Chargers and the Raiders. <laughs> uh, we'll go over the NFC quickly. Uh, as well packers rams bucks cowboys cardinals and eagles have all punched a ticket there's one spot left and that is between the san francisco 49ers and the new orleans saints somehow sean payton i mean props to sean payton i guess because that team has i has had so many bizarre players come in and out they've had so many strange feel like they've been blown out and have blown teams out the most uh in this odd NFL season they are eight and eight San Francisco nine and seven but you're you're almost looking at the Saints being favored to go here the Saints have to beat the Atlanta Falcons if they do and the 49ers lose to the Rams in LA the Saints will go they will get that seventh spot and the 49ers will be going home so a lot of fun stuff yet to happen in uh week 18 uh, of the NFL season. 
Well, and the only thing we should mention with the NFC is the uh, the NFC playoffs will run through Green Bay. That's been decided. Uh, the Packers locked up the number one seed last night with a demolition of the Sean Mannion-led uh, Minnesota Vikings because Kirk Cousins' is, uh, I guess, uh, COVID cube didn't uh, prevent him from getting COVID. And CJ, what that's what's supposed to happen. That's what I mean with this Antonio Brown going to the Bucks and then winning the Super Bowl. That's not supposed to happen. What is supposed <laughs> to happen is Kirk Cousins saying he's not getting a vaccine and will cube himself for four months to not get COVID, and then he gets COVID two days before they have like a game that they need to win to go to the postseason. That's the poetic justice that I like in my life, not what happened uh, in Tampa Bay. Um and then the last thing to talk about in the NFL, on a, on a somber note, slightly somber note, uh, John Madden passed away uh, last week at the age of 85. I say slightly somber because he lived a long and just storied uh, NFL life, football life. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer with, I don't know, seemingly three different football careers, was like a standout college player uh, who was drafted to the NFL. Injuries uh, shortened his, his playing career there, but obviously had a storied career as a coach, won a Super Bowl with the Raiders, and then had an entire third career as, as a, one of the premier uh, color commentators uh, uh, that the NFL has ever seen and, and sort of, uh, let's say, parlayed that expertise into the most famous video game of all time, the Madden football franchise that he was obviously, uh, that was his name, added to that game and he was the voice of that game for for many many years so i'm gonna whoever wants to take it here if you both do uh, a couple minutes on the legend uh, of john madden yeah uh this was a sad thing to see and it happened very suddenly and it was it was kind of strange antonio just with the timing because madden had been out of the limelight for a long time now it's hard to believe he retired after the 2008 season was the last year he was in the booth uh, the Cardinals um, Steelers Super Bowl was the last game he worked uh, for NBC, and uh, so you know you hadn't thought about it much, but this documentary just aired uh, on him on Christmas Day, uh, and it was kind of a it was a, a like a celebration of his life, and it, it was it was a really beautiful documentary. I watched it um, subsequent to his his passing, but uh, you know you see on social media, you mentioned just like it is sad, but just the he was like truly like a titan of not just like a football, but like American life. Like how many people were impacted by the life of John Madden? Just like he, as you said, he was the definitive voice of the NFL for 30 years on television. And it was the 30 years when the game grew the most. Um, and, and you know, it, it was just seeing how all the tributes to him was really heartwarming in some ways and just how many lives he impacted. And I mean, and I think everyone who's a football fan, you know, it owes something to John Madden in a lot of ways because he kind of helped make football as popular as it is. And as you said, I mean, I grew up on the Madden games, as you said. I had Madden 99 was the first one I got uh, in the 90s uh, for my PlayStation 1. And the graphics stink looking back, but him and Pat Summerall were the voices and stuff. And playing with, like, John Elway and Shannon Sharp, I was always those Broncos teams because they were uh, the best team in the game. <laughs> but uh, uh, play, play, playing uh, that, and then uh, Madden 05, I think he was still uh, doing the analyst work for, um, you know, the one with Ray Lewis on the cover, and Madden 04 I had as well. And just everyone, yeah, he touched everyone's life and just watching the games too. I mean, he, he changed what football color commentary was. And so it, it was sad, obviously, to see him pass. But, like, I mean, his, his impact will, you know, extend far beyond, 
you know his uh, his death certainly, and because he changed he changed like everything with football, and he might be the most well known football guy of all time. Like any player, sport or player, coach, analyst, like John Madden might be the most the, the number one guy most affiliated with football. So. Yeah, a wonderful life, and uh, it just impacted hundreds of millions of people, certainly in this country. Yeah, this this one hit me a lot harder than I expected it to um, when the news came. Um, like like Jace, you know, I had Madden '99, I had Madden '03 through '13. I think got everyone every year. I, I ended up diving back in for '20, and then had to get '21 because Lamar was on the cover. Um, so you know. Did, Love those games, but more importantly, I think our era, you know, I, I turned 30 in, in two weeks now, just over two weeks. And so I, I, you know, happy to be disagreed with, but I think our era is the Al Michaels, John Madden era towards the end of end of his run. And yet looking back on it and I, I ended up, I've watched the old Madden documentary now twice. It's on Peacock. Please watch it or find some, if you, if you, like football, even a little bit, even if you don't rem- if you're a younger person, don't remember John Madden, you you see the bones of where pretty much the modern game is, from who he was, his enthusiasm, his knowledge, you know, a very very smart guy who was able to translate the game to dumb young kids like myself, but also for people that were also very smart in the game and just sucked up everything that he had to say. Um, after the news came down. And I ended up watching the documentary for the first time and, and the second time as well. I, I, I begin to realize that a lot of the reason I take this sport so seriously and I love this sport so much and I love the Baltimore Ravens to the point where, you know, we've put together this podcast and college radio shows and, and I work in sports journalism now to some degree, I think is because of John Madden. Um, I think he plays a a more significant part than I even realized at the time, uh, you know, kind of looking back hindsight, always being 2020, obviously, but his enthusiasm for the game, you know, the, the, the call of the Ray Lewis crackback block on the Chris McAllister <laughs> return is still one of my favorite things of all time. Boom. Look how he hits him there. I gotta love that. And just the, the enthusiasm for physical football and his love for the game translated to a young kid like me, um, and kind of set me in a weird way on a career path that I now currently have. So, you know, I will always be grateful to the man for that. And I'm glad that we still have so many cultural touchstones where, you know, as Jace mentioned, even though he's been out of the limelight for a long time, there's so much Madden content to access. If you ever, if you're ever feeling like you need somebody to cheer you up and, uh, Highly recommend doing that if, if you love this game in any way, shape, or form because he is one of the, if not the most important person in the history of this game. Great words from my two co-hosts there. And I like, we're going to use, uh, we're going to go back in time just uh, just like Madden's uh, peak in the NFL because we're doing the random Raven now. And I, I have somebody from 1999 and we're talking oh boy. peak John Madden uh, <laughs> announcing era of 1999 and uh because I was so bummed out uh, about this Rams game and this Ravens uh, season, I, uh, I'm going to have a little history lesson. I'm going to try to make, you know, make it a little more interesting and uh, expand a little bit on this random Raven and take some more time here than normal. Uh, and I tried to trim some, 
some time away from the the recap of the Rams game because of how annoying it was. So instead, <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about this. And I got my idea for this random Raven because the uh, the YouTube algorithm lords recommended that I watch the week one highlights of Rams versus Ravens in 1999. Of course. Uh, because as the video, the purpose of that video was that it was the supposed start of the greatest show on turf, uh, with Kurt Warner starting after Trent Green had tore his ACL in that preseason. So I recommend you go back and watch that, that video on YouTube. Um, because for me, what stands out is nothing Rams related, uh, but rather the absolute speed, fluidity, and power of an absolute in his prime Ray Lewis. Uh, please go back uh, and just watch him in that highlight clip. Um, it's a 17 point loss for the Ravens, by the way, but <laughs> in that loss, Ray Lewis has 14 tackles, four tackles for loss, an interception returned 60 yards, a pass deflection, and a sack all in one game, and it was week one of the 1999 season. <laughs> Uh, it will shock you to learn that he wins his first All-Pro selection that year, uh, and then obviously Ravens win the season, uh, win the Super Bowl the following season. But in the 1999 season, that then from the YouTube video, I had to go back and, and look at that that team. They were eight and eight, even though their quarterbacks Scott Mitchell, Stony Case, and Tony Banks eclipsed the 50% completion rate in just six out of 16 games. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm not even talking about yards or touchdown passes or offensive proficiency. Just completing more than 50% of their passes. Six out of the 16 games. Scott Mitchell uh, is the guy who started that Rams game and is horrendous in that game. But while watching the clip, that inspired me for a different random Raven from that era. So here we go. This random Raven played in Baltimore for two seasons. 1998 and 1999. He was drafted in the second round in 1994 and played four seasons for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, rushing for over a thousand yards in his first two seasons, but having less success in his next two due to injury. He came to Baltimore in 1998 and shared carries with Priest Holmes. His best season was in 1999 where he played in all 16 games, starting 10, and he rushed for 852 yards and five rushing touchdowns, and he added 24 catches and two receiving touchdowns. He then played one season in Cleveland before retiring in 2001, and he wore the same number as fellow Random Ravens Musa Smith and James Ahedabo. And a final hint <laughs> is that he may be known for a somewhat unusual first name. And that is my random raven. And we will have that uh, we will have that reveal at the end of the episode. But for now, guys, it's the last game of the season, the last regular season week. We've been through so many ups and downs, so many injuries, so much stress. Come from behind wins, come from behind losses. But it's the last one, and it's Ravens at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Of course, it is. The Ravens are four-point favorites in this game, which will almost certainly be Big Ben's final football game. That is going to overshadow the hell out of that broadcast. 
But uh, rather than do too much X's and O's, because we know what the Ravens have to do to win, and we know what they do when they lose, um, <laughs> and then we also know that they need healthy players to play well and be in the game, so we'll see what happens with the quarterback uh, situation for the Ravens between Huntley and whether Lamar Jackson will be healthy enough. But the first question that I'm going to, I think we have to talk about here is related to Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, he's been, you talk about Madden being in our lives, uh, for our generation. <laughs> if you're a Ravens fan and you're, I don't, any age, I guess, Ben Roethlisberger has been in your life for longer than you would like to admit, uh, through wins, through losses, through bloodshed and AFC North titles and playoff berths. So I'm going to turn to my two co-hosts, uh, and just what memories stand out from, uh, from Big Ben and the Steelers, uh, and the Ravens-Steelers rivalry? The bad ones. Um, you know, I was <laughs> I was at his first game when Tommy Maddox went out injured and they put in Ben Roethlisberger at M&T Bank Stadium. Weird Tim, host. have you literally been to every, like, worst? No, no, that one, we, that one we kicked the crap out of them. But it started, the but it started Ben Roethlisberger's career. <laughs> but it started Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, yeah, I've been to a lot. I don't know. Again, thanks, John Madden. I love this game and I love this team. But, I, yeah, I've suffered a lot uh, through the years. <laughs> Um, so it's just, it's funny as we record this, I, I have the pregame for the Monday night football game on the television. They've kind of just been side eyeing it while we've been talking and they brought up the Chris Berman's six favorite memories of Ben Roethlisberger and five of them were against the Ravens. Of course, oh. uh, there's the two, there's a couple of times where he threw six touchdowns against us. There's the two, I believe one was Antonio Holmes and one was Antonio Brown on the goal line throws that won crucial games, the Antonio Brown one winning the AFC North. There's, there's, I mean, look, the, the favorite memory is the Bart, so Bart Scott sack. It, it is absolutely the Bart Scott sack. Bart Scott, in a hit that I still wish was legal, but probably isn't, especially against the quarterback, absolutely decletes Ben Roethlisberger, who is a big man himself, and puts his head above his helmet and just takes him down it's one of the best hits I've ever seen um another favorite memory from that era of rivalry and I guess it's kind of changes the, 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 the angle of this a little bit was Jared Johnson doing the same thing to one Heinz Ward who I do not respect I hate and I don't think is a Hall of Fame player but with Roethlisberger in looking back now it, it is nothing but respect and Honestly, admiration for an era of Ravens Steelers football that I frankly miss. Um, a game that would not be allowed to be played anymore. It, it, take, throw every cliche you want. It didn't matter if one of those teams had five wins or the other was undefeated. Those games were going to be bloody. They were going to be mean. They were going to be fast. And they were going to be physical every single time. And the Ravens, you know what, frankly, ended up on the losing end of a lot of those. And a lot of them in heartbreaking fashion, thanks to Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger, unfortunately. So... You know, my heart rate is glad that he's gone. But in a way, I do, I am going to miss, because he's kind of that final beacon of an era of legends gone by. He's the final, for them, you know, uh, Joey Porter, and and I'm trying to think of some of their other... How, James Harrison. James Harrison. Troy Palomalu. Troy, Troy Palomalu <laughs> thank you. Heinz Ward. Uh, you know, Antonio Brown before he went crazy. Uh, and, and Ben is kind of the last guy from the era of Heap. Reed, Lewis, Nada from our end. I'm sure Jace has a Nada memory that we definitely need to bring up as well. But it, 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 
for me, it's not a specific memory that I remember fondly. I remember going to his first game uh, as a kid. I remember more so than not the and, and Terrell Suggs. I need to mention him too. Respect the legend. And I, uh, his name pops into my head because of the amount of missed sacks that guys like Terrell Suggs <laughs> and, and Nada couldn't get on Roethlisberger because he was a sandbox player. It looked like he literally drew the play in the dirt, ran around there avoided and took a bunch of hits, stayed up and made a completion down the field to Heath Miller or something for 18 and a half yards on third and 18 uh, and, and won football games that way. And it's as painful as it was. It is something in a weird way that I will miss um, because Raven Steelers, if you miss that era, I, I, I frankly, I apologize. You need to go back and watch it because you're going to watch it and think it's a whole different sport and, and the animosity but also the respect that came out of those games, I think, is something that um, I'm glad I was around for. I will cherish, and, and frankly, I miss uh, every time they play now. It, it, it's, it, it's still, no matter what importance, even if this game, you know, and, and you can tell we're going to kind of reminisce rather than look at the game on Sunday, partly because there's not a ton to play for for either side, and this Ravens season has been you know, a, a trash fire, but... Because it, I also believe that it just doesn't have, even if this was a win and in for both teams in the playoffs, it just doesn't have that same feeling to it, that visceral, guttural, Steelers weak feeling. Um, and, and Ben is the last representation of that, so he will be missed. Yeah, he, he Roethlisberger is definitely the guy in my mind that elevated the Ravens Steelers rivalry into what it became. And then certainly when the Ravens got Flacco, I, I've kind of felt like that, Tim. You mentioned Terrell Suggs that. It's ever since he left the Ravens, to me, like, I still get mad about the Ravens-Steelers games. And they, they've played close games, and the Ravens have been on the losing end of most of them since uh, Suggs left. Or, well, I guess they beat him twice in 2019, but they're always close. But, um, you know, that those games didn't have Roethlisberger because he had gotten hurt. And when, when, like, Terrell Suggs isn't there and Ben Roethlisberger isn't there... You know, Raven Steelers just hasn't felt the same to me since, as they did when I'm, you know, could that be I'm reflecting on when I was a kid and uh, in middle school and high school when these games were life and death to me and I knew a lot of Steelers fans and had to deal with them every day at school? Almost certainly. Now it's easier to tune out Steelers fans if you don't want to hear from them. But, uh, um, but yeah, Roethlisberger, I mean, he's just, he, he's just so pivotal to so much of Ravens history. I mean... You think of all, all the my favorite Ravens wins. I feel like half of them are against him. I, you know, Tim. I remember we were in uh, in your apartment in college uh, or dorm room, I guess, uh, with when the Ravens beat the Steelers to sweep the season series on Sunday Night Football, um, and just going crazy and just how much those games meant. And I definitely think the rivalry loses a little. Like it'll always be there, but it's certainly I won't feel the same about it. Um, once Ben Roethlisberger's gone, I don't think. But uh, and even even if the Steelers continue to be good, and chances are they will. But uh, yeah, it's funny. It's crazy. You mentioned his first game. I actually remember where I was too. I was at a family reunion where someone had hauled out a very small, probably ten inch CRT TV and bunny ears, and had the game on because it was the local game. And uh, I remember being so ecstatic that the Ravens knocked out Tommy Maddox because I was like. I don't know, in middle school, and I thought it was good when guys got knocked out of games, and that's how I, how I operated that. And little did I know what can of worms that, that, that whole thing opened up. But, uh, yeah, there's certainly been a lot of memories. As you said, Roethlisberger's certainly uh, gotten the Ravens several times. And 
so I won't miss that as much. But uh, in terms of the rivalry itself, he certainly elevated it. And I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I, I don't know that it's really people debate it much anymore. I know a few years ago, but his numbers are there. He was he was money in the playoffs and um, or at least early in his career, maybe less so in the later stages. But uh, yeah, he's certainly um, an, an all-time great and... Uh, you know, it's been fun to beat him, <laughs> frankly. You know, outside of maybe Tom Brady, I can't think of who the Ravens didn't beat much. I can't think of a quarterback I enjoyed beating more than Ben Roethlisberger over the years. So it's crazy. It's been so long. I mean, I we were, 2004 was his rookie year. I was in middle school, seventh grade, I guess. Uh, it, it's been a long time. Um, and so it's kind of crazy his career's uh, coming to an end here, it looks like. Yeah, the, the rivalry between these two teams have, has changed certainly because of the the rule changes. I, I Tim, that's I, you're absolutely right in that respect. And in hand with that is these teams used to hate each other. The players on these teams used to hate each other, and I don't think that exists anymore. Between the, I'm not going to say uh, no, it doesn't happen anymore in the NFL, but it doesn't really exist anymore between these two franchises for whatever reason. If the if you asked most of the Ravens who they hated, they would say Titans. That's a very clear dislike <laughs> that they have for another team in the NFL. But it used to be that both teams just flat out did not like the players on the other team. And Ben Roethlisberger is the last vestige of that hatred between the two, and that's how you. That's how you get super football games over and over again, and it was twice a year, and uh, the last thing I'll say about Ben is that, like, my memory of him is just, like, two in-game emotions, and one was he's about to get sacked, and you sort of have this faint glimmer of, huh? And then he gets away from it again, as had happened probably four times prior, and then once he gets out of the pocket, and it, it is no longer, like... First of all, it's not happy or positive, but it's not even, oh, now he'll throw it out of bounds or he'll run out of bounds or he'll run it for two yards. No, now the feeling is, oh my gosh, because it is absolutely going to be either a first down, a 40-yard completion, or a touchdown. (laughs) Those were the three results that were going to happen once he had avoided somebody in the pocket and rolled out. And uh, I don't know, what a career, Big Ben, and we are... uh, more than happy to see you uh, set off <laughs> into the sunset uh, and get the the gold jacket five years from now, if this is the last season for him. So that's it for, for Ben Roethlisberger praise. I can't believe we've gone uh, so much <laughs> praising the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger, but it is a Hall of Fame career, and it did absolutely mold a lot of Ravens fans' uh, football, you know, football lives you know, over the last 15 to 20 years. The last thing I'll say because this is a Ravens podcast. The last question I have about this game between the Ravens and the Steelers, assuming that these playoffs, well, not assuming, the playoffs are a long shot. Uh, The games all happen simultaneously to add to the drama, but with the Jaguars very likely losing by a lot and thus eliminating the Ravens from any playoff contention, where are you guys in terms of who should be starting at quarterback in this game? Is it almost like just... Just run Huntley out there, like just end the season alive. The playoffs are not happening based on 18 different scenarios happening. Or is it, Lamar, you're limping, but you're now, you can do it. As we were talking about in the in the Rams recap, like he's now at a place where he could gut it out if he had to, and we'll see if we can win a game and go to the playoffs. So where's, what, like, what's the mentality for you guys uh, entering week 18? 
I'm on team just don't play him at this point, I think. I know maybe some people will cite that as loser's mentality, but he looks so awful in that that one that one day of practice shuffling around like we talked about a little bit. And then he didn't practice the next two days. So I think clearly, I don't know if he just has a broken ankle and they don't want to say it. Uh, I don't know what's going on with him. But his injury is clearly worse than what they initially let on. He's practiced one day in three weeks, and he looked awful doing it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you want to go out uh, swinging, certainly, to some degree. But perhaps my thought of this weighs into kind of what I mentioned earlier about just being being ready to move on with this team. You've lost all these close games. It kind of seems like it's just kind of a star-cross season uh, just get it over with, re- get healthy, regroup, and attack 2022. Because as Tim said, I think this still is a good... <laughs> if if people can get healthy, I think the, the franchise is still actually in a decent place. But obviously, I think this year exposed some needed tweaks that need to be made. The offensive line, defensive playmaking, etc. But... Um, that being said, yeah, I, I, I don't. I just don't think you can risk it. When Lamar was last... Uh, played the Steelers he got sacked seven times and that was before he had a bum ankle so I just don't want to risk it um, in a game that you know you don't want to call it meaningless but is probably not going to mean too much that's a loser's mentality Um, I think (laughs) I think if he's good enough to go and you still have some sort of chance to make the playoffs you bring your star quarterback out there I don't want a quarterback who one I don't and again you can call me old man yelling at cloud that's fine I do not want a quarterback who could probably go and like if the doctors tell him you can go and he goes, well, we're probably not making the playoffs anyway. I'm going to sit out. I think that's a, a, absolutely a loser's mentality. This is a different argument if the doctors say he can't go and he's, you know, the ankle is broken and they're not telling us or something like that, Jace. I, I, that, yeah, then take all this argument away. If he can go, he goes. We're playing at the same time as the Jaguars. Those guys are professionals too. Now, granted, you know, <laughs> very, very bad professional football players, but they are, and there is still some hope for the Baltimore Ravens to make this playoff push. And I would be I'm not gonna go crazy like Ravens Twitter, and I know some Ravens fans that would go nuts if this happened, but I would be pretty annoyed on this podcast next week or in the following weeks uh, in the off season if we hear, yeah, well, I could have go I could have went, but they they thought maybe it was best to shut me down regardless of the Colts Jaguars results that would piss me off and so for me I if he can go and it's and that is the best opportunity for the Ravens to win a football game against the Steelers by the way which still means something even if it doesn't mean as much as we just wax poetic about for the last 10 or so minutes um if he can go he goes and if he if he can go and doesn't go it might it might be old man yelling at cloud i know but I, there's something to talk about there because that would be that'd be pretty upsetting the line for this game ravens minus four it is completely unclear at the moment who will be the starting quarterback for the ravens the starting quarterback for the steelers will be ben roethlisberger uh, in his final game and we're going to turn now to the gambling portion i went one and two last week and i uh oh boy listener i uh somehow got the ravens <laughs> pick wrong in a, a new way uh, I wanted to, I picked them uh, as three and a half point underdogs, but I added the caveat that that would only be if Lamar Jackson played, Huntley played, so therefore my pick swung to the Rams, and then the Ravens covered, so I lost that, I lost my tease, but I did go one and two. This week, 
Why not? I'm taking the Ravens, minus four. They play so much better. It's a home game. That's really what is leading me to take this pick. The Steelers have not been good. Roethlisberger, there's a reason this is going to be his last football game. Uh, He has struggled mightily. And I think the Ravens in this, they still have a chance to go to the postseason. I think they take care of business. I think they get off of the schneid and end on a small positive uh, for their 2021-22 season. Do not go to the playoffs, but end with a win against a rival at home. And I think they do it by more than four points. I'm also taking the Cincinnati Bengals uh, to beat the Cleveland Browns. They're three-point underdogs in this game. And I guess that's just because... The Browns beat them handily when when they played in Cincinnati and this game's in Cleveland. I don't care. The Browns are out of the playoffs. Cincinnati has things to play for. They've proven me wrong in the last couple of weeks, so I'm taking Cincinnati plus three, and then I'm doing another tease, and I'm teasing these three teams six points, and it's Kansas City down to three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Broncos. Broncos stink, and Kansas City owns them. Three-and-a-half is a comfortable number for me. I'm taking the Pats down to even against the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins who, when having to play for their lives against a good team, lost by 31. The Patriots, again, still have something to play for in terms of seeding, so I'm taking that line down to even. And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm taking them down to minus two at home, I believe, I'll have to confirm, against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Yeah, Tampa Bay at home with things to play for against... The Carolina Panthers, I'm taking Tampa Bay, minus two. And that's a three-team tease, six points. Bet 100, win 160. Tim, who do you have for us? Yeah, I like I like your mentality because week 18 is so weird, and then you could have teams scoreboard watching and pulling quarterbacks and stuff if they're up big or if their fate has been guaranteed or whatever. So pay attention to these lines as they go all the week. I'm not going to pick it. I'm with you on the Bengals thing. They have to know that they're sitting Burrow for whatever reason. I don't know why they would do it, seeing as there's still a chance for the one seed. But maybe they just think the risk is too great, you know. But they also didn't think it was too great when they kept dragging him out against the Ravens to throw for over 500 yards. So, who knows. Um, In terms of our game, it's more than three points either way. I'm taking the points. It's Steelers plus four. I don't think the Ravens win any football game by more than three points nowadays. Um, and especially a Steelers game. It'll be another one, two, three-point game because they just want us to die slowly uh, watching this team. So Steelers <laughs> plus four for me. Um, some other games that I, I think are in, or the other two games I guess I have as official picks. I have some interesting ones, but you know, due to time constraints, we don't have to go through those. Um, Atlanta plus four and a half at home to New Orleans. I don't get this New Orleans team. I don't understand this New Orleans team. And Atlanta's been okay. Now, I believe they're out of it, and that's it. But it's been a decent season for them so far this season. Um, The Falcons have been fine beating up on bad teams, losing to good teams. But four and a half just seems like too much. Um, And so for me, I'm going with the Falcons and the points. Cordell Patterson might do something crazy. Maybe Matt Ryan, a big send-off for him if he ends up leaving or, you know, what happens there, who knows. Uh, so I, I, for some reason, that one just stood out to me, even though there's really nothing to play for for the Falcons. And I know New Orleans is still in the playoff hunt. And then I teased it earlier, Raiders-Chargers. It's in Vegas. It's a game that both teams have to win. And the Chargers, I'm sorry, are just too inconsistent. And they can't stop the run. Josh Jacobs can run the ball. I think these teams are relatively even. 
I think I love the narrative of Rich Basicchia maybe winning coach of the year after everything that this franchise has gone through. And because of that, I'm taking the Las Vegas Raiders plus three to beat the Chargers on Sunday Night Football, win that game outright, make the playoffs. But, hey, even if they don't win it outright and they lose by two, I still win the bet. That would really make this whole season, I feel like, come full circle, at least from a Ravens perspective. Yeah. We were watching that wild game in Las Vegas, Antonio, feels like yesterday, and now here we are watching Sunday Night Football in Vegas to, to decide the final AFC playoff seed. Uh, the only thing I could think of uh, to Cincinnati for your guys' picks is uh, that they might sit Burrow. Um, he did actually get banged up on the final play, offensive play, when they drew the fourth down. He got nailed by someone and was kind of grabbing his knee area a bit, but then he was dancing in the locker room, so I think it was mostly uh, precautionary why they had Brandon Allen take out the, take the knees at the end of that game to set up the field goal. But um, for my picks uh, this week... Um, I am going with the Ravens. I don't really have a scientific or uh, real football explanation for you. I just want it to happen. I want the Ravens to beat Ren Roethlisberger in his final NFL game. I want it really bad, <laughs> so I'm just going to pick the Ravens. I'm wrong on them every week, so why not? Uh, it would be wonderful to send him off, send him off with an L uh, that I can remember forever as one of their great wins over Ben Roethlisberger, no matter if it gets the Ravens in the playoffs or not. Um uh, other picks, uh, I'm also taking the Patriots, um, but just taking the line uh, as is. Minus six and a half at the Dolphins. Uh, they did lose to the Dolphins in the very first game of the regular season um, when they were driving to win, and Damian Harris, I believe, fumbled. Uh, but that was Mac Jones' first game. Uh, Dolphins looked like fraud city against the Titans. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I the, the Patriots are certainly playing for stuff. They could still win the AFC East, actually, if Buffalo loses. Now the Bills... Uh, or playing the Jets, so that's unlikely. But uh, I think the Pats are still going to go all out to try to win this one, and, and I don't think the Dolphins have the stuff. And then I am going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, minus eight against the Carolina Panthers. Um, similarly, I think they're going to play for seeding reasons um, because they could still, if I believe if the Rams lose to the Niners, who have had their number, and the er, and the um, and, and the Bucks win, they should be the number two seed. Uh, in the NFC. Um, and, and I know this, this Antonio Brown thing's gonna linger over the team all week. And they're, they're already down Chris Godwin for the year, but it's Tom Brady against the Panthers team. That stinks. The how bad the Panthers are, I think has been probably cause they're the Carolina Panthers and who cares, but been an, an underreported thing, uh, throughout the course of this season. I, I think the Bucks. Uh, put it on them uh, to close out the regular season and, and get that, uh, or at least try to get that number two seed. Uh, so that's my final pick. Bucks minus eight again, uh, at the uh, Carolina Panthers. It will certainly be a final week. The last thing to go over now is the Random Raven. I'm going to read it over one more time. This Random Raven played for Baltimore for two seasons, 1998 and 1999. He was drafted in the second round in 1994 and played four seasons for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rushing for more than 1,000 yards in 94 and 95, but he had less success in his next two seasons due to injury. He came to Baltimore in 1998 and shared carries with Priest Holmes. His best season was in 1999, where he played in all 16 games, starting 10, and rushed for 852 yards and five touchdowns and added 24 receptions and two receiving touchdowns. He then played one season in Cleveland before retiring in 2001. And he wore the same number as fellow Random Ravens Musa Smith and James Ahedebo. 
And a final hint is that he may be known for a somewhat unusual first name. Tim, I think I have an answer. Go I ahead. I, I, can, I can see the other guy with Priest Holmes, like the, the one-two punch of it uh, before that Super Bowl year, but I couldn't, I couldn't put a name on it. So I, I don't 100% know if this is how you pronounce his first name, <laughs> but I, I believe it's Eric Rett, Rett or Eric Rett. Is that so? You are you're you're on it. I'm gonna give it to you, but it's uh, okay. Eric Rett. Eric. It's E R I. I didn't know if the T was pronounced C C T. And I, for my entire life, thought it was Eric Rett. So here we are. Eric Rett is the random raven. Well done, Jace. Uh, and I'm gonna add a, a final note here about that whole situation. So Rett is there for those two seasons, is splitting time with an unknown priest Holmes. Rhett leaves after 1999, the Ravens draft Jamal Lewis, and keep Priest Holmes as his backup, and we win the Super Bowl uh, in, uh, in 2000. In 2001, Priest Holmes leaves for Kansas City, Jamal Lewis tears his ACL in the offseason, and then Priest Holmes has three straight all-pro seasons from 2001, 02, and 03. And it's just one of those things, if the stars align differently and we can, Holmes is just there another year, if the contract is different or if we're able to sign him for a one-year deal and Holmes is there, he finally gets a season to shine in Baltimore and who knows what happens with him, who knows what happens with Jamal Lewis, who knows what happens with the Ravens' chances to repeat as Super Bowl champs. They, have an all, they would have an all-pro running back. Instead, uh, one is gone and the other one tears his ACL. So it's just sort of like, very interesting to like dig down into the history of players and things that happen with teams and, and possibilities. So uh, a great, great guess by you, Jace. Eric Rett, uh, running back for the Baltimore Ravens. All right. That's it for us. Go Jags, go. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, this is your time, man. This is your game. This is your moment. You use this momentum to carry you guys into the offseason. Uh and, and do it do it for Baltimore. <laughs> for Tim Horsey and Jace Evans, I'm Antonio Barbera. Thank you for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you, hopefully, 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 with some miracle, with the playoff Raven team next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.